guys, welcome to episode 32 of ELO Punters. This episode was over a week in the process of making because I am fucking horrible with logistics. Bob is getting turned up in Miami right now at Ultra, I think, so he's not here. But instead, we've got a better than Bob replacement. We've got Daryl Ayers here. Also, you know, Daniel Goshel here as well. Uh, but Daryl, what's poppin'? We just uh, had hung out in, um, well, where the fuck was it? It was SCG Indie, like last week or something like that? Uh, yeah, we were we were in Indie. I... Played on a team, and then we lost the last round. Playing a deck that I created by copying someone else and then changing cards. Nice. Leading me to be the foremost expert in the world on this deck. Because I guess that's that's uh, that's how clout works. Wonderful. Yes. Nobody needs to know any of the inner muckings or details. You just need to, yeah, farm it. Anyways, Daniel, how are you doing, by the way? I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while, or I haven't seen you like play Legacy in a while. Yeah. Well, last time I played probably was Last Showcase. Oh shit! And yeah, I'm interested to hear one of the most toxic legacy decks around, <laughs> literally putting lands straight from the sewer. Uh, did you see that tweet, Daryl? Which one? Uh, so e Eli was playing goblins, and he he um, tweeted that Eight Mulch is one of the most toxic decks. And honestly, is that Goblin Lackey? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I re I replied to his tweet and asked him if he tried Mind Goblin for the matchup. Oh, okay. Well, dude, I wish I wish I had come up with Mind Goblin before everybody else because the the feeling of getting someone with like any sort of D's Nets joke is like I don't know, man. It's there's nothing more invigorating in this world. Like probably on par with like having a kid. Okay, I'm not gonna like actually double down on that, but I don't know D's Nets jokes A plus. What have you guys been up to? otherwise besides magic usually we do this thing before we like get into the like meat and potatoes where you just like shoot the shit so shoot the shit shoot the shit no cool okay yeah uh daniel have you been up to anything else have you been up to anything else no the fuck man Just really okay let's chill are you guys playing any ptqs this weekend or this yeah. week rather because it's ptq week right now right i oh i dropped the first one today so i'll see how the rest of them go okay are you playing all of them uh i don't know i'll, I'll be i'll play some of them probably maybe all of them i don't have any plans yet <laughs> okay are you playing the legacy one i'll pop i'll play some amount i know that okay I, I bought two because if you buy one of those event pass tokens, you get an unlocked account. But if you buy two, you get entry to a PTQ two. So I just bought two. Mm -hmm. I'll probably play a couple of PTQs. I'm not sure. I just okay. bought the token because I knew I was going to do it anyway. So see, Daryl, I feel like you're not like a real like PTQ grinder grinder. Like maybe back in the day, it was more like that. But I, I I used to play a lot more. Yeah, I just don't care much anymore. The new PTs are like so horrendous. I mean, I've been. Uh, like I'm pretty close to just like quitting Magic and playing Flesh and Blood, so oh shit, I I, w I would say that I'm not uh, that into PTQs anymore. Yeah. Okay. I I feel like the Daryl Ayers recipe is like when there's an event coming up, you test your mind out. Like so, like for this for this like indie, right? Like, did you test a lot? Yeah, I probably played a couple hundred matches. What the f? Okay, that. That, that's that's a lot dude okay that's what i'm trying to say right like i feel like when you're motivated you're like one of the most like on fire players which is also very interesting because we did a deck tech in indie and the way you spoke about the deck was very like well versed you knew exactly what you were talking about that's kind of interesting that like organized play sort of impacts that did you know that like so next week or is it this week we're hearing the the organized there's the announcement on thursday i mean organized play just like that i don't really think it matters too much for me the scg killing your stuff off and not bringing back the scg tour type thing is probably close Closer to my dissatisfaction because like i wasn't playing ptqs and grand prix i was playing opens because i could drive to them and they were fun events and there was like stakes and meaning behind them and mm. now it's just like these scg cons are the worst opens of all time you travel the tournaments suck <laughs> they're like two rounds short the prizes are like not great and they're, they're uh. more expensive and you have to like register and use all the stuff on melee which is like i don't know i don't like really getting raked for like an extra like four or five dollars for every event i play in after getting raked by entering the event itself it's it's definitely different that much i have sort of realized i mean like the, the vibe of just hanging out with friends when you go to the right like event at the right time in the right place is, is still pretty killer but then like the event itself i, I don't know it, it is kind of strange like playing in the 13 round event instead of a 15 round event and then also like i for indie one big thing that was like extremely like strange slash whack was like they they broke the tournament up into like two different days they broke they broke it into two phases because like no, obviously all the events are two days but if you played a pro tour or a split format event you can play versus the same opponent in each format because like if someone's in your draft pod you can play versus them but they did that for a team event which is one format over two days teams were just playing against each other which is stupid yeah 
Like, I have no idea why they did that. You, okay, and, and I feel like you actually got, like, the, the bad side of luck. So I remember, like, David Lance's team, they eventually made, like, top six. So that's another thing, too. It's top six, and it wasn't top eight. 13 rounds, top six. Real strange numbers. But David Lance's team, like, they got, they played against, they were X and two, and then they played against the X2-2 team in Swiss. That's when the player got DQ'd, so they got a free win. And then they played against Ellen Bogan's team, who was number one seed at the time. And then they just got, like, scooped into the top eight, like, in the last two rounds or some shit like that. I feel like something weird, like, day one, something happened for you too, right? Like some weird, like logistical stuff like that. Our day one was completely unrelated to that. What happened is we had, we were five, one going into round seven and I had gotten a GRV. So on the slips, what they had it is you could, there was two boxes. One, you checked that you got a GRV and one was checked for drop. So the judge filled our slip out, checked us for a GRV, and then they dropped us from the event. And then they had to re-add us after round seven was starting. And when we went up there and we're like, yo, what's up? you guys dropped us like why they pulled it up like oh mistake on our end we'll just re-add you and then after like five minutes of them like thinking about it they were like well there's no buy this round so you guys get the buy so we just like high rolled into a free buy in round seven (laughs) to go six one but then so like we got like super benefit from that but then on day two we got shafted because we kept getting like pair downs and playing versus like random teams and all the other teams that were one and two losses were just playing against each other for the second time over and over again oh and we just play and so like our breakers were like it's like the worst breakers i've ever seen in an event basically so like we got super lucky by like to error but then we also got shafted by horrible formats Dude, I'm 110% sure that that is like an MTG melee related issue because I've used a lot of melee in the back end and I think it's like a good melee as a concept is very good. And it's, it's- I think I, I think I said I talked to Brad Nelson about this, so I'm not really sure. I don't think it's a melee issue. I think it's the way that they use melee. Like they could have done the same thing in uh, Wizards Event Reporter like back in the day. So I, I don't know why they set it up in two phases instead of like two days or uh, like two, like what, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't really know the inner workings. Yeah, yeah, they could have just made a one thirteen round event. Yeah, right? I, I don't know why they did it the way they did. Well, I think one thing that was interesting to me was like the the idea of like resetting breakers in between day one and two, and maybe that's why they did that. But all in all, like I, I just think like because I've run into issues with melee I don't where think like breakers the pairings reset, for like one team. Well, if you start a new phase slash event, like don't they? I think I, they I don't reset. know. I mean, I, I don't keep up with this yeah. stuff. The only thing I'm gonna do is complain if it sucks, and then not complain if it's good. So like my my job isn't to like worry about this stuff so I don't look into it. Fair enough. That's a pretty smart approach to it. But yeah, I don't know. All in all, like I hope they have this stuff figured out for for modern because it's it's weird. But uh, are you going to Dallas? I am going to Dallas. Yeah, I'm not going to go to Pittsburgh oh. though because I don't really like limited. Yeah, team sealed, not for me. I don't think I'm going to go there either. I'll be in Dallas. I'll be trying to do some coverage, which is um, something I'll talk about in just a little bit. But Daniel, I have a question for you. Last last question before we sort of just like move on to stuff, dude. How do you feel about? Okay, so this is a question that you're pretty big into crypto, right? How do you feel about Storybook Brawl being purchased? Don't say that publicly. It's a shame. Wait, what? 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 Can I delete that? Can I get started? No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not attaching any sort of extra stigma. I'm simply putting in like an association. You are pretty big into crypto. How do you feel about Storybook Brawl being purchased by FTX? It can be interesting. They have deep pockets. It'll be interesting. I saw this, uh, Javier reinstalled Storybook Brawl, I think, the next day. So we'll see. Maybe they'll do something interesting with some tournaments, but I have no, yeah, you think, no idea. You think Hasbro should sell Wizards of the Coast to FTX? <laughs> I don't know if they would. That's kind of weird. They're kind of a big company. Well, I did see Hasbro was in the news today because remember when there was that uh, AltaFox proposal? If you remember oh, that. Oh shit! Yeah. What about what happened about that? Uh, they denied it. They said that they didn't think that their candidates they set up were good enough. So I guess that's a little shade of John Finkel. Wow. And uh, they have a new plan or something. So we'll <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I didn't know that. That's actually really interesting to hear. Taking a fat. I mean, I guess times change. Now they're taking a. Okay, whatever. I'm not gonna say they're taking a fat. But wait. So it was two less rounds. Is it because is there less people or is it just two less rounds? I think it was like 300 teams, so probably like the Swiss cut or some shit like that. I don't know. Not 100% sure, but okay. That's interesting. Yeah, for anyone who's not sure, like FTX is like, what, what is it called? Like a crypto exchange, right? Yeah, they're like a giant company though, yeah. I think. Like very, like... They're, yeah, they're valued at pro- yeah a lot. They're very big. You know the California gold rush. FTX is the people selling you the shovels. Ooh, it's basically what's happening. Yeah, they sponsor LSV. I think uh, some of the CFB guys. I think like Matt Nass used to go to the same LGS as the founder back in the day or something. No way. I think that's related to why they bought. Isn't Storybook Brawl like ran by yeah. like Dire? Isn't- uh, no, I don't think it's Direwolf, but I think like Matt Nass is like easily one of like the lead developers or some shit like that, right? Yeah. 
So that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. They used to know each other back in the day or something. So it was kind of funny. I would say, but yeah. Okay. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. So FTX, I've also seen like TSM FTX, like they, they recently like got together and recently like within the past year or something like that for anybody who like plays league or like Valorant or blah, 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 you know, but okay. All right. I, I don't know. I just, I just interested. Cause like I have, I know like obviously like Twitter is kind of just like a, a cesspool of like emotions, but Twitter was not happy about that. They were like, Oh, this is like the blah, 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 selling our morals. And I was just like, I don't know. Maybe this is probably a good thing, but who knows? I have no idea how these things normally play out in case anyone has any thoughts on that. I would love to know that being said, what's up. I, I would definitely keep my eyes peeled on that game. Cause I don't know what they do, but they might do interesting stuff because it's like yeah, a company like that hasn't, you know, owned. The, they might do interesting stuff with tournaments. So I would keep my eyes peeled. Maybe they could have some good tournaments in the future. Yeah. Let's talk about um, stuff that's going on today uh, because I just wrapped up a little bit of gameplay on my stream where we were playing this deck that Daryl's talking about eight mulch so daryl why don't you walk me through this deck because it's not exactly what i think it would be so like it's it's lands but not really i mean it's just a land deck a land deck that is supremely good against swords to plowshares and that's that's i mean that's basically the reason you like built it there's too many stps in addition to like ending and like Uro gains life so they're over 20 so these like one shot you with dark depths doesn't really line up anymore uh your graveyard's been more hated than it's ever been with uh like the endurances and just like all this incidental stuff that people hate so basically the deck just like had to be almost entirely rebuilt so that's basically what i was looking to do when tuning this deck because i think like lands itself has a reasonable win rate if you look online but i think that deck is completely horrible oh yeah so Wait, I, like i i haven't stopped start i haven't played that deck in like i think years at this point uh ever since that deck doesn't play gamble and mana bond and like the core lands identity type stuff in my mind i just thought it was it's been a pretty bad deck okay yeah i remember like your history with legacy i think we talked about this in indie we're gonna talk about like a lot of the same stuff so because i think it's important it's really good content but you started playing like rug delver a long time ago right like that was one of your first decks like with nimble mongoose and like stifle and like spell snares and pierces and then that's the first deck that i did notably well with i would say was stifle rug even though i was like, very bad at the time i mean before that i played a number of random decks because like i i had played legacy pre innistrad somewhat casually or whatnot like uh mm. i top aided uh one of those old old scg 5ks playing like mental misstep dark depths hex mage night of the reliquary deck back back in the day oh damn i think it was called uh punish it was called um i don't, I, I can't remember i think it was just like junk depths is what people called it back then because uh the deck had living wish because it could get hex major with dark depths you had knight dark confidant back then it was like a it was like a mid-range it was just a mid-range deck basically yeah it sounds like it's like a long time ago but then rug delver and then after that like how, how did you get to lands my first interaction with lands was getting crushed by kurt spice in the finals of a baltimore open when i was playing rug delver at the time and then there was maybe six months later i, I don't know it was a, a like within i think within a year or so i was at an open i didn't top eight the invitational so like i had my sunday free and i didn't want to play delver or whatever legacy deck i had with me at the time and but i still wanted to play so i was like asking if anyone wanted to switch just to play something different and then kurt was like you can play lands if you want and i was like oh like oh my god are you sure like i borrow your like lands it was like a full japanese lands deck and he's like oh no like i'll i'll vouch for you you're good for it for the guy i borrowed or whatever and like i just picked it up i think i top 16 that playing like not great and the deck felt like incredibly broken to me and i just uh bought it on moto and started playing then okay yeah this reminds me there was like a year on like the scg circuit i think it was like i mean i call it the dave long year where like basically any tournament dave went to like he would top eight but then like that was when i think lands was like really really fucking good partly because like no one knew how to play against it but also because it was really strong against like a lot of like the non-stp decks like that's when like you didn't you didn't all those things that you mentioned earlier like uro doesn't like gain life or like you know, no oversaturation of like prismatic ending and like you know swords to plowshares and things like that. N none of that was a problem you know you have to keep in mind too the control decks at the time were bug and grixis based or they were even if they were blue white based because they were miracles the hate cards at the time were Grafdigger's cage or like nihil spellbomb or rest in peace which lands is pretty good against because you played four crows on grip so the hate cards weren't there no one was playing edicts or submerges or any way to interact with the 2020 so in every matchup that wasn't white you could just poop one out and there was 
actual nothing that anyone could do against you, so they just died. And the the card pool at the time was much weaker compared to today. So you had more time, your stuff was more powerful, and there was no hate cards. So it was, I mean, the deck was extremely good at the time. Yeah, that, that's kind of interesting because like I'm looking at the list that we're, we've got right now. And so I guess um, the best way to find uh, this specific eight mulch list, uh, twitter.com slash Daryl underscore Ayers, right? Uh, yeah, that is my Twitter handle, Daryl underscore Ayers. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so go there and you'll be able to find like a picture of him flaunting only one, not two tabernacles, which by the way, this deck does play two tabernacles. So if you are going to play this deck, I mean, maybe you could do with just one, but like... I don't, I don't think you need to in the crop rotation builds. But I tested a lot of builds without crop, pre-crop rotation, and the I had two tabernacles in the main deck at the time, okay. which is why I really wanted to find a second tabernacle for the deck. But I think I think you could you could play one; it's fine. It's not as nearly as good in uh, this version as the previous. Okay, yeah, you have much more pressure with uh, the Dark Depths Desmine Sage combo that playing a very long control game doesn't happen as frequently. Okay. So then, I mean, like, walk me through this, because you said you played, like, like a couple hundred matches with this. Maybe, like, 150 or okay. something. I mean, yeah, some I've seen them out, though. Like, that's, that's still pretty ridiculous. You know, like, 150 matches, like, I'm pretty sure most players, like, your average player does that in, like, the course of, like, I, I don't know, like, multiple months, and, like, you know, you did this all for one tournament. So, like, I, I, put, I put a lot of stock into that, which means, and also, like, the fact that you're a good player means your insights from this are pretty valuable. So, maybe, like, walk me through your deck construction process, because I know you said you started with a list, and a lot has changed from that list to, like, your first iteration to your second, third, fourth, whatever it is. So, Walk me through that process. Yeah, sure. So I started off with uh, not being sure what to play in Legacy because I thought the format is very bad, which it is in my opinion. And I was just going to play Delver. Hate my life. I've been playing a decent amount of Delver, doing reasonably well with it, but not feeling like I have an edge anywhere and I'm just playing a good deck and hoping I win my coin flips, like my weighted coin flips, which is what Delver is. And then I played against someone playing uh, this green-white deck. It was like a green-white mulch version of lands at the time that top eight of a challenge. I actually beat it playing Grixis Control with Hititsugu Consumes All. Mm -hmm. And um, after I saw that person top eight, I was like, oh, I played against them. And I thought their deck looked interesting, so I gave it a try. And it seemed like there was something there. And I just tested lots of different versions of the deck. I actually, um, in my brewing process, what I, what I did was I tested... Every version, not every version, but whenever I brew a deck like that, what I do is I take the core elements of the deck and then add it to a, a Moto deck file. And then I think of every card that I could play in the deck that would be reasonable and add it to one deck file. So I think I have that deck file saved still on my computer and it's like 200 cards in my main deck and like 150 cards in the sideboard. Oh, so then every every time I go to play a version of the deck and like try to like reimagine ways I could put it together, I have every card I could play. So then I just start cutting stuff from it. And then like I'll say, what if you know, what if I tried the combo this time? Okay. I'll add Dark Depths that's mean stage I didn't have before. That means I want crop rotation and the Uros are bad, so I'll cut those. So it like basically is every time you try to rebuild the deck in your mind, you don't miss anything. So I just uh I go through that process. Yo, that's actually kind of crazy i normally when i build a deck i just like i'm like oh you know i want this card and i want that card but like this is uh for, for anyone who is interested in like building take notes because that's that sounds really fucking smart yeah so i i did i did that after running into that person and seeing they top forward uh, a moto showcase it was maybe i think i can't remember they it, it started off as white because that's what they had but it wasn't really like a white deck it just had like horizon canopy and hall of heliad's generosity some random cards in the sideboard, like um, like a de like one deafening silence. I think were the only white cards. I for a while, I think the list I played the most with was playing Uro mm. and no Dark Depths combo. So I had Uros, mulches, like the eight mulches, eight ramp spells, and that was it. So that's my spells. I played thirty six lands, and the uh, the blue was pretty solid. It really, really, really smashed the control decks. Uh, you were still like a zero percenter against combo and very very linear decks. But the reason it was so much better versus control that even compared to the version I'm playing now is you didn't have cards like crop rotation in your deck. You had Uro, which draws a card and plays a land, and they kind of have to interact with it. So usually they would STP it or do something. Or you would replay it eventually, then they would STP it. 
and you would, you know, draw two cards. Uh, it helps use the excess cards that go to your graveyard from Mulch, as well as um, gaining life was obviously good. So, like, you bought more time if they played, like, a turn three Endurance and started to attack you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other two big blue cards that were in the deck were Talaria West and Odawara, because Odawara interacts in a lot of really favorable ways that you wouldn't think on the surface. So, like, against Dark Depths Mirrors, you can just let your opponent go for it, and there's basically no interaction in the format that can stop Odawara because it is colorless through uh, Sajiri's tap. Talaria West was really strong as a tutor target because it was a... I think I played three because it's, it's a unique land for Field of the Dead. You can play out really early because you need the blue mana regardless. Yep. And then like your second and third Talaria West or when you loan the back, find additional Field of the Deads or that they can find you like a Tabernacle or your Blast Zone in uncounterable ways. Wait, that's... So that that was really powerful. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit slow, clunky, but like I, I think mm-hmm. this deck, like this deck more than any other deck I feel has the capacity to just like ramp on mana a lot faster just by virtue of playing four explorations yeah. and the four mana bonds right and you mentioned something super mm-hmm. early on which was like you feel like ever since the deck started cutting the mana bonds and the gambles that it got a lot worse that's my first question is like wh- why does that actually make a big difference and then the second question is we haven't talked about one very important card in the format which is urza saga so like start with the first one go to the second one i want to like pick your brain and figure out okay so the gambles and the mana bonds and stuff it's like if you play dredge and then someone's like, oh, I've been playing a verse a lot of dredge hate recently. I've I've tuned my list to be good against it. And then they showed you a deck where they cut like five, four random dredgers or five and added like four Tarmogoyfs and a Dark Confidant. You would look at them and be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> what, what are you talking about? And it's the same thing. Because if you look at these lands lists, they just cut a bunch of random engine cards and they're like, I'm going to add two Endurance and two Reclaimers for the grinding matchups. And it's like, what? What What are these beating? Like, why? Yeah. It just doesn't make it just doesn't make sense. It makes your core deck fundamentally weaker. If that's the case, just play something else. Like, sure, the land stuff is fine. Those are good cards. Those are all true. But if you f- I feel like if you're having to do that with a deck that's based around an engine of establishing a loop or like this like prison board state. And that's so weak that you can't win with that on its own. Why not just play something else that's much better? Okay. So that's kind of where that goes with the lands. I was I was I was getting around to the saga part because that is like an important part, right? It's like a staple of every format it's legal in. It's so powerful. It's like a tutor. It makes threats. It does everything basically. But I just found that the artifacts were really awkward because you basically want a bunch of really good tutor targets as one of. But playing eight mulches makes that look really stupid, especially if you throw in a dredge loam, because what if you need your soul guide and you just mill it? It's horrible. Like, it's so important. Or let's say you get unlucky and you mill two of your things and then you start, you know, getting extra sagas in play and then you just don't have targets to tutor up anymore. It just makes the card much, much worse. Mm -hmm. And because if it didn't have that third line of text, I don't know that you would play the card. If it just made two constructs and died after you spent six mana, I'm not sure that's a card you would play. And that's often what it did in this deck. Furthermore, it was worse than even that card because most of the time you would not make the first or sometimes not even the second construct. So you'd have like a 1-1 or maybe a 2-2 after you tutored or, or like two three threes at best. And then they would bolt one or just STP one. And your creature's horrible and it does nothing and you spent a land that then died so now you're farther away from having seven lands for feel the dead so i just kept feeling like what am i doing with this wow and it was a pretty powerful card like it was at best in the unfair matchups because you could tutor up a needle or like you could basically mug into a hate piece and then have a saga and then find another hate piece but i just found that that wasn't winning me games anyways so I tried to move away from Saga and become more of a field deck and just really push into that direction. That's so interesting because I've always, I mean, like in most contexts, I've just found that Saga is, it's just so insane, but like everything you say here makes a lot of sense. And I guess that's something that you just have to like get through experience, especially when you're like building this deck from ground up. Um, It's weird, but yeah, because also I noticed like this deck isn't playing like Mox Diamonds and things like that, right? It's it's really just relying on the one mana enchantments to sort of get out, which is kind of interesting because like, I feel like everyone's so high on cards like, meltdown for artifacts and saga and things like that that like 
having enchantments as your primary go-to, you could just get to blank so much hate and you're really coming at like the format from like this like right side, like punch or whatever, jab. I don't know. I don't know boxing, whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, it, that is another thing too. You just play a completely different card to completely different cards that sidestep the hate being played. So if you look at the format, basically no one is playing cards like Surgical Extraction right now. Mm-hmm. Which is another thing, even though this deck is uniquely good against Surgical because of you use Mulch as a card advantage rather than being all in on Loam. So that's the case. And then you do sidestep all the artifact hate that people have to play right now for all the Saga decks. So that that's another angle of it too. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I, I literally just finished playing a game against Death and Taxes where my Loam got Surgical on like turn two or three. And like... I mean, yeah. the game did get a lot longer, but eventually Manabon or the Field of the Dead just came online and I was like, okay, draw a land, play a land, draw a land, play a land. And like, like that natural progression and even like Mulch was, Mulch was like super insane, especially with like, with Manabond and like, and Field of the Dead. Like, like I've also watched you play and I feel like the way you play is almost deceptive to a manner. Like you will just go like turn one Manabond and you'll just like pass for like seven turns, not doing anything with the Manabond. And then on turn like eight or something like that, you're just like, well, I'm going to put field, 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 and, like, you know, a bunch of other lands into play. Here's 30 points of power. You're dead. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't know. It's just also the way you played makes a little bit of a difference, too. Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's just understanding how the deck wins. Because, uh, uh, I mean, a lot of people will play certain decks, especially especially mid-range decks because, or control decks, because it's very—or I guess aggro decks, too. Basically, anything where you don't have an extremely linear game plan— or like a unique approach to how your deck functions because you just look at your hand, you play the card that costs the least, and then you just work your way up as you play your lands. If even if you do like if you just do that, playing like burn or whatever beatdown deck or even control deck, like they play something, you have to kill it. You just play the best kill spell in your hand. You don't have to think about it because like if your opponent plays a dark confidant, you don't just stare at your STP and think like like how is this game going to progress? What should I say this for? You go okay, kill that and move on. Yeah. But like a deck like this or even like most combo decks, you just have to know, like basically pick your spot and be looking for that from when the game is starting. So like in that in the open in the team open, I, there was multiple instances of me playing mana bond on turn one and passing for two turns without playing a second land. And then on you know like turn four or something, just going off and putting a million lands in play when I peel the seventh land, the seventh land I need to trigger my field mm. or let's say the eighth to play around a wasteland or whatnot. Yeah. I don't know, that's kind of cool. Okay, yeah, I you, you're right. You don't actually see that a lot. I guess, I mean, that that's kind of interesting because then this deck plays a little bit more like a combo variant, I'd almost want to say, because, you know, you mm-hmm. really don't have a lot of the... You have some of the controlling elements. Like, I only see four Maze of it as removal spells. You've got Tabernacle, maybe like a couple of Besages because Besages just broken, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I think Besaju and Yavamaya are probably cards that make this deck function. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the the mana base, you need like 14 to 15 green. Like, I, I wish I had 14. You could probably get away with 13 green sources. Um, but I'm at 14. And there are two lands that have different names that produce green. So within the past year, both of these have been printed. And Besaju answers a lot too, obviously. Because, I mean, it you can find it off mulches and you can loam it back. You can, like, kill a Dark Depths with the trigger on the stack. You can kill Blood Moon or, you know what I mean? It, I mean, it, the card's so insane. It does so much. But before that, I mean, because this is basically a mono green deck. And if you just look at the mana base, one, one thing I want to note is you you get to play two colors for, f- quote, free. The first one is like all your lands always have to be untapped and tapped for green. But the only way to get this many unique lands that produce green is basically by playing dual lands. Because if you, like, there's only forest and snow-covered forest. Yep. And then beyond that, you, like... I added like I have like some taigas. I have a, a stomping ground, and and then like a grove. If you played white, you know you could have like a temple garden, a horizon canopy, this kind of stuff. Because that's the only way to get enough cards that don't have the same name that make green. Okay. Yeah. So that that helps you in that regard too. So then backtracking, then we I want to talk about like splash colors here because you mentioned something about playing Uro. Mm-hmm. You also said something about combo still yeah. being bad, but like when you play blue, I'm assuming you add like Flusterstorms into the deck. So it's interesting that nah, I think Flusterstorm is unplayable. Yeah. It just doesn't do anything. All the combo decks these days play like they like are artifact combo decks, like an eight cast deck. They're a graveyard deck like Black Red, or they're a Hole Breacher deck. And those decks just pop LED and then 
and wheel you. And a lot of times they'll have extra mana regardless, or they just play stuff like Narset. I don't know. Like they just have so many tools that one Flusterstorm doesn't usually stop them. Like if you were playing a control deck, you wouldn't just add four Flusters and have no forces and be like, I'm good to go. You know? Okay. It just, those one card doesn't beat them. So the main reason to play blue was the T-West, the Otawara, and the Uros. The main reason to play red, I thought Pyro was a pretty good card because I was struggling versus Delver early in testing. And Pyroblast kills Murktide, which is basically your like the main card that beats you. Mm-hmm. As well as countering Force of Will. Because against the control decks, uh, your main plan is to not play your Mana Bond out because it gets Prismatic Endinged. So what you do is... You, ideally, you just want to cast some mulches or be drawing to a bigger hand. Play a mana bond. They have to force you. You pyro them back. You move to your instep. You make 10 zombies, and there's nothing they can do. Okay. They're dead. So you, Okay, so that's like, in this matchup, I have to play... Like, that is the overarching game plan. Like, you don't, you can't, you have okay. to sand, sandbag the mana bond, basically, instead of, like, exposing it to prismatic ending, which I yes. think Yes. Is... Exploration, you just play out because you you get one land drop per turn. So you play it. They have to have it right away. Yeah. If they don't, it's bad. Okay. Yeah. Then the last color you can play is white. Wait, wait, real white quick. I want to stop you here and I want to sure, ask you a sure. question. For blue, Uro mm-hmm. seems really good against, like, the Delver decks, right? Like, wouldn't that be another reason to play Uro? Uh, it is, quote, good against Delver, but it doesn't beat Delver, and there's a huge difference there. Okay. Because it basically gains three life, it accelerates you a little bit, so like it prevents a Delver attack or a DRC attack, but and it doesn't do anything for Smurktide. Mm. Uh, it it beats Delver when you are playing a control or mid range deck because you have forty answers in your deck plus Uro, which is an extremely hard to answer threat that also builds advantage. But in this deck, it's kind of all or nothing when you're winning. So if you play Uro and just like work towards field faster or put a maze in play it's just like wasteland you attack you for eight with murktide okay and you just die anyways it's not the same sure that makes sense okay cool yeah yeah, that is reasonable so it's good against control not good enough against delver what was the what were the other colors mm-hmm. you can play then uh white is the only other color you can play and white adds deafening silence uh the biggest add in the main deck is iganjo because it is a lomable removal spell that you can hit off of your mulches as well which is like obviously pretty powerful the white cyborg cards you want, or I think I think I said it was Deafening Silence is the big yeah. one because it's good against every combo deck. It's not a nail in the coffin, but a lot of times it can slow them down so much that you can kind of do your stuff. Okay. And if they don't have an answer within like a turn, but you kind of have to have it turn one on the play is the biggest problem with sure. it. Um, the other cards, I was talking to Dave about this. I didn't consider it, but I think it's pretty good as Swords of Poshers. You could just play those because this deck can sometimes have an issue with uh, the main issue from the Green White Depths decks is actually ramming up. You can really outpace Knight as well as Reclaimer. Okay. But ramming up is kind of a thorn in your side. So that's like another tool there. That's really good. It's also answers like Prelate. So it's a pretty powerful card yeah. that you could you could incorporate. Prelate was really good against this deck when I when I battled. They just and they put it on two and I was kind of just like uh, I mean I, I I was watching that game. I think it's pretty easy to beat. I think you played <laughs> horrendously. So you're like you should have won all your games so hilariously easy and you just oh, no. you just played mindlessly. I guess I don't know. Dude, or you just that's didn't know what I'm how saying, to play man. The I don't even have a pedigree with lands, and the fact that I could tell you like. Of the fact that I'm winning games, let alone like while like while playing poorly, like that tells you that, that there's like really something here. So that's why I was yeah. really interested about talking about this and playing it on stream, obviously. But okay, yeah. So like, white gives you swords to plowshares. It also gives you deafening silence. And then I guess the last color, Gonjo, Gonjo is the biggest card. Oh, Gonjo, I think, yeah, yeah, sure. Because it's a main deck card too. What about uh, black? Black gives you leyline of the void and surgical extraction with which neither require black so <laughs> it gives you literally nothing there's literally no reason at all wow okay the only reason to play black is uh you could play urborg or just some black sources and play raven's crime like i, I couldn't find any black cards that were good holy crap the, okay that's really that's like that's like uh that's digging deep okay cool yeah raven oh i guess i mean i guess you could play decay and trophy but those aren't cards that you need they don't answer anything uniquely that you couldn't answer before with other colors. Okay. Yeah, Decay and Trophy, they don't really... doesn't seem like they really scale well anyways, so... Not right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even know if they'll... You can play a Wither Bloom Command for value. Oh. I would not play Wither. I would not play Wither Bloom Command if it costs green, green, or green and one colorless. That card is horrendous. I don't. It's so bad. So somewhere out there, the four color players are are, are crying. Um, let me ask you a question about like certain numbers though, because chat chat is asking. I mean, like the so the question is why two Tabernacles? Why not more? Why not less? Um, how do you okay? So like like break down the mana base for this deck and how you came to the exact numbers, because like you've got numbers in the main deck, numbers in the side 
board. Like, it's it's all over the place. Okay, the spells are easy. You play four of all the good ones because they're broken in the deck. So that's that gives you 36, that gives you 24 spells. And then the mana base is relative. I mean, I guess it's simple to me now, too, but I play four of the good ones. Mm-hmm. You have to have four field. You have to have four wasteland. And your only way to interact with the board is maze, so you need to play four of those. Okay. And the last one you play four of now is Thespian Stage because it's combos with Dark Depths, obviously. It's insanely good with field because a duplicate stage can copy their lands. Like oftentimes I'll play stage out early and then copy their land on turn two or turn three yeah. in order to get a different name early. And then later it's extra mazes, extra fields, like it does everything. Okay. So you that's you play those 16 cards, which are all four ofs. And then the man like if i could obviously i would play like zero green sources because they suck but you have to play mana that makes you have to play colored mana to cast your spells so you play two yavamaya because it's super broken it's so good with all your lands but you can't really play that many like it's a it's a legendary land you have to have unique names so two felt fine uh same thing with Paseju. it's super broken yeah you can't you don't really want to draw more than one i mean drawing two is usually fine because you can hold one and channel the other one, but unless the channel is actively good in the matchup, it's a pre- it's even that it's a pretty big detriment. When is it? When is it like? What are the matchups where it's good? What are the matchups where it's bad? Like, I guess killing enemy dark depths. Is- Almost every fair deck game one, it's pretty bad. It's literally forced like it's wastelanded. Okay. Because no one has artifacts and enchantments versus you, and you don't need to just ghost quarter a random land where they can get a dual land. Sure. It's like just super broken against lands, death and taxes. It, it's not as good against death and taxes game one, but like just all the artifact decks, there's a lot of random artifact decks. Even like eight cast, it's super good. It kills Saga without you having to wasteland and miss a land drop. So that's really strong. I played, I played against like Painter and just like mauled them with it. Same thing versus like Cloud Post. They needle you, but you just like besage you and wasteland them into oblivion. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just such a powerful card that I have two in my main deck, and then obviously I have the, the additional two in the sideboard. As for the mana sources, uh, the, the the rest are just lands that produce green that have no other effects. Specs lands are the best ones, obviously. they What they do is they always can find a unique named land, no matter how many like other green sources you've drawn. You have like four, I think, unique lands to find, so they just always find one. They do have diminishing returns because the deck is so tight, you can't play 10 fetchables like you would a normal deck. So I have, I think I have five. Yeah, Grove like of the Burn Willows is just another green. It's literally just forest, but it helps cast Cyborg Blast. It's the best untapped red-green land. There's just, it's the best one. The other ones like are like Purpulsion Forest, they deal you damage, and gaining them life doesn't matter. Okay. And then the fetchables are pretty easy. You play the two forests, you play a taiga, and you play a stomping ground because they have unique names. And then I played a second taiga because I wanted one more fetchable, and it's the best fetchable, especially against Delver, where it's an untapped red source that deals no damage and helps cast Blast. Okay. Wow. I need to give you, like, a major compliment here because, like, everything you're saying, m- most people cannot explain. Like, if you ask me why I put cards in my deck, I cannot give you near close to, like, this level of, like, reason and detail. So, like, keep keep, keep it coming. I, I like this. I, ho- I hope people who are listening also appreciate this because this is, like, good. This is good. This is, like... I mean, that makes sense. That's, that's why I don't ask you why cards are in your deck. <laughs> um, and then the last six lands... I, I wanted two dark depths because obviously you want an, you want more than one so you can combo mm-hmm. like more frequently. Uh, you want a second one in case one gets wastelanded so you can crop rot for it. Like it's th- like the, I, if if it weren't for Delver, I wouldn't play dark depths. I think the combo is pretty bad right now. Okay. But I was su- really suffering in the Delver matchup without dark depths, which is why you see two a two two split and the move towards crop rotation. If it weren't for Delver, I wouldn't play crop rotation either. Oh, okay, interesting. Wait, wait, can you explain that? So. You just need dark depths in the Delver matchup like that badly that you're playing. Crop yeah, rotation? they they really can't. They really don't really have a way to deal with it at all. Okay. Uh, Field of the Dead is bad against them because all their guys fly over the zombies. Uh, and then if you don't have dark depths as like a threat to just one shot murder them, yeah. then the only cards in your whole main deck that you have to they have to beat are four Mazeths. So they just wasteland your maze and attack you. Okay. Ooh. But now it puts them in this weird pinch where you're mazing them. You can set up towards field. And then stage makes extra mazes because you play stage now. And then you can also threaten a twenty twenty. So like if they just waste you waste your maze early, they might just die like instantly. Okay. Yeah. And then the the tabby Caracas Blaststone and Bog are all just really powerful one ofs. I wouldn't play Bog main deck without the crop rotations. And all my old other lists before crop rotation, I had Bog, but ended up cutting it because it's just like a mediocre value land that is sorcery speed, good against some stuff, but like you have to have it at instant speed to get value at like like to truly get to be 
broken, yeah. you need to have it at instant speed. Okay. To be like a medium land, it's whatever. Was your blue list playing Ipnu Rivulet? Or is that card bad? No, I don't think it's worth playing the one. I, well, that list didn't have crop rotation, oh, so I couldn't okay. tutor it anyways. Okay. I'd have to find it with like mulch, which is bad. Yep. And I just don't respect Doomsday at all. I think that deck is really bad. Okay. It's obviously <laughs> super broken deck and beats everything but Delver. But if you can't beat Delver, you lose every event, which is why it just does horrible. It's when even like online, it does well because there's really good Doomsday players. Mm -hmm. But no one plays a deck in paper because like no one owns four personal tutor and no one wants to show up in paper to play like a 45% win rate combo deck, I guess. Like, yeah, that was an interesting sub discussion we had, which was like, like this deck that you were talking about, like, I'll be real with you. Combo seems like a wash. I mean, like just really like you trounce the fair decks, but then you also get trounced by like the combo decks, right? So like, how do you justify this tournament in an event? So for example, like the team event is one thing, but like this week, there's going to be a PTQ on Thursday, 7 a.m. West Coast time. Oh, okay. So I think if I were to justify playing this deck, I would say that I'm playing for fun because I would not play this deck on an online PTQ. Okay, interesting. There's a lot to unpack there. Why? I mean, it's just horrible against the all the bad decks that people play. So... I mean, even old lands used to get completely destroyed by combo. Like, people have this idea that lands didn't used to get slammed by combo that bad, but it did. If you look at the old lands deck sideboards from, like, 2014 and 2015, their sideboard was all combo hate, and the only combo deck you could beat was Storm, but that was the only combo deck played at the time because no Black Red Reanimator wasn't a deck then. Some people played Sneak and Show, but Sneak wasn't super popular. So, like, even if it was, there's also nothing you can do. Yeah. There was no Hole Breacher... LED back then. There's just a lot more combo decks now. Mm. And even even now, I like you can choose one combo deck to beat, and I chose Black Red Reanimator, which is why I have four surgicals, a cage. I used to have a second cage over the second blast zone, I think. And then I had the crop rotations for the bog. So you have like a lot of tools to beat Black Red. And then so that's the only combo deck I can beat now. But back then the only combo deck you could beat were was Storm. So you played six Thorn six spheres and like a chalice. Okay. And you beat Storm like forty five percent of the time or something. There was good overlap back then too, like uh, sphere against like Ponder Brainstorm top counterbalance all that sort of stuff too so i guess maybe that was well those everyone who brought in spheres against like Ooh. those decks were cyborging badly Ooh, okay 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 all right, I could respect so, that. So, I mean, it, pe people thought it was overlap, but it, it wasn't. Okay. Like, you just sideboarded bad. That, yeah, I mean, that's kind of interesting. I guess with all these tools, you have 4-4 four, four, and, like, you know, the cage. You, you have a decent chunk of game against Black-Red, for example. But, but yeah, I see what you mean. Like I beat Black-Red twice in the uh, open, actually. Oh, yeah? Wait, that... Like, if you... 2-0? If you look at the... S uh, I think I 2-0'd them both, yeah. Oh, shit. How do you win game one? Uh... Game one against one of the players, they had... I think both my opponents uh, made mistakes against me to let me win. Okay. But one, I think one of them I would have beaten anyways, and then the other one... I think I would have lost. So one of them, I think I would have definitely gone to game three. The other one, I would have won. One of my opponents um, was reanimating the angel that gives you protection from a card type. Sarah's Emissary? Yeah. Yeah. So he reanimates that and he named land. I didn't have a Maze of Ith, but he didn't want me to like peel Maze of Ith and then him not be able to kill me. So he goes, name land. And then he reanimates again. But this time he reanimates... Uh, he had Gristlebrand and Archon in his graveyard, and he was like thinking, and then reanimated the Archon. I guess what he what what he was thinking in his mind was like he kind of wanted an answer to Meritlage if I happened to hit that. I wanted to play around Caracas, but like he had already named land, so he should have reanimated the Gristlebrand and then just like hit me and drawn seven again, and then reanimated Archon and then just done whatever he wanted. How do you how do you get out of that situation though? Because it seems like Archon Sarah's emissary should just kill you. Yeah, so I dredged Loam on my turn, hit milled over some lands, played Loam, mana bonded, made ten plus zombies and then he just died oh <laughs> okay yeah he could he could i hit like a fetch land fetched he could attack me down to one life and then he was gonna die on the crackback to like my 12 zombies or whatever it was okay and then the 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 other guy uh he had a turn one where he unmasked me exiling a archon and i know the decks usually play like two archons i was like not sure if he played one because the game went on for so long it was like turn eight when he he finally like drew faithless looting and then looted away an archon oh, uh, and then reanimated pitch, it pitch the archon okay with the unmasked i got you okay mm -hmm. and he had to have named he in that game he also had a sarah's emissary because my the, fir the first black red person reanimated it and then i was able to make a 2020 caracas of gristlebrand attack them with it he had to chump block and then uh i'm sorry i couldn't caracas the gristlebrand he animate deaded it and i killed the animate dead with Seiju, and then because I had Merit Lage, his Sarah's emissary was on land, so I couldn't maze or Karakas him. Mm -hmm. He had to chump block, 
And then I was, and then he had to reanimate Sarah's emissary again the next turn. This name, time named creature, so he didn't die. And then I had enough time towards di- to dig towards my blast zone to kill the Sarah's emissary and kill him. Okay. I think I'm, yeah, that, that follows. It's weird because black red is usually this kind of deck in my mind that just like completely shreds you. But like, y- I guess once you get your lands into play, you could actually just like win games that you have, like other decks just can't win. Like I, you were telling me a story about a, a control player that like wheeled you a couple times. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of decks where if you establish your board, you go so over the top with field and maze and depths and all this other stuff that they actually can't beat you. So in that, in that event, it was two separate opponents played Hole Breacher or Narset and then wheeled. And then I won those games. Like they wheeled me multiple times and I just played a land off the top of my deck every time against one of my opponents. He did that and then played like a Shark Typhoon. I leveled up a Blast Zone, killed that, copied the Blast Zone a bunch of times with my stages before I sacked it, had mazes in play. And then eventually after like seven or eight turns, I had all these Blast Zones in play. I drew <laughs> Maze, played it, made one zombie, past turn, and he knew I was just going to like uh, copy my Maze with the, my Blast Zone or my uh, field with all my stages yeah. and then just play more zombies and then he would die eventually. So like he was thinking for like a minute on his turn and I just said, can you win? And he just thought for a second, said no and scooped. Holy shit, bro. That is, that is some big dick energy right there. I'm not going to lie. Just like, <laughs> oh man. Because I feel like if I wheel someone, I'm just like, I cannot lose this game. And then like that's yeah, some but- realization is like what are you drawing you're drawing like some cantrips maybe another narset a couple removal spells and a force and all my lands make creatures so all your removal spells have to get burnt on those and you can't counter my lands and you can keep wheeling but you're just still drawing like stps and it's not good enough i actually had a an interesting interaction come up it didn't matter for the game but it has like it could matter it was um when i was staging all of my blast zones and then cranking them up so i could answer like future shark typhoons or narsets or whatever he was going to play i so you, you stage the land you level it up it gets counters but then you can stage something else so then i stage like my mazes yeah so i had mazes with charge counters on them and if i copy i use that maze later to copy my blast one again I'm, i still have all my counters so like within a turn cycle it's ready to blow up whatever number i had set it to jeez so like you you can like charge you can like charge and then alternate what like land you need and still keep your charge yeah. counters too. Yeah, I mean that those are some pretty sweet scenarios from the event. But but like you said earlier, so for like so then if you cannot beat all the decks that you expect in the online event this Thursday, why would you play this deck at all in an SCG event where like wouldn't people just play like those decks as well? No, they don't. So if you look at the Moto metagame, it's way more diverse than in real life because online, especially in League. Yeah. Not you could probably you could probably get away playing this deck in a PTQ or like like a, a showcase challenge or something like that like any kind of higher higher level of play event because people will play the good decks but if you play this deck in leagues I went four one or three two in every league I played I don't think I five owed once and I sl- absolutely slammed every fair deck and got completely rolled by combo like I played against LED constantly but if you look up the win rates online of all these LED decks. Yeah. Their win rates are like 45% for the best ones. So it's like these people are playing these decks because they're fun and they're fast. And that's why they play them in leagues. And if they want to play for real and win a tournament, they play Delver and they play Control or they play Death and Taxes. And that's what you see in the Team Open. If SCG actually published the metagame breakdown going of that SCG, I went into the uh, last the SCG Open in Philly and did a metagame breakdown actually of that as well. Like all the lists were posted online. The metagame was almost exactly what I expected it oh, would shit. be, which is Delver control. All that sort of garbage, yeah. Okay. Delver Control, Death and Taxes, Lands, 8 Casts were like the five most popular decks by a, a, a margin that was like substantial to like a very strong degree. You slam all those matchups and then the next, the only po- co- combo deck that was played at all was Blackbird Reanimator and I built my whole sideboard to beat it. And then beyond that, people, some people played other stuff, but like they all did bad and stuff. So at a team event, it'll be an even stronger skew towards people that play those decks too. Cause like if you go to a team event and your teammates like, Hey man, I want to play Karn Echoes. What do you think? And you're, te- you're going to look at your teammate and say, Hey man, I want to win the tournament. How about you play a real deck? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, okay. That is one way to think about it for sure. I mean, like, like look at the scoreboard. It panned out for you the way you wanted it to. So I'm, I'm okay with that. It's, it's interesting because I think I, when you told me that, like at Indy, I thought about it for a second and then it just, like, it made so much sense to me. Like, you really don't just, okay, except for the high tide player that kind of just, like, what was that? That was, that was the craziest game. Like, 
like high tide player at like 64 mana floating they cast the time uh, I think spiral it was, it was 70 mana yeah it was austin robbins uh, i'm i'm pretty sure that's his name yeah he's he's like an old school amulet player he's been playing that deck for a long time i actually have talked to the guy in the past he just he just always plays decks like that so like he, he just like he knows i mean he's he's not dumb he like knows this is not the best deck in the room it's just like he really loves playing those decks yeah. and he just shows up and grinds with them so he plays stuff like that he played used to play like lotus bloom amulet he, he just plays all kinds of stuff yeah and i just remember 70 mana in the pool time spiral look at my seven cards oh fuck Brick. pass and i distinctly remember you were like what the fuck and then you just started giggling like yeah, it was, it was hilarious like i just it's like the fourth third or fourth time he had done that match it's just the most high tide thing of all time right oh my like it just it's, it just happens always yeah all right, cool. Well, I don't have much else to go over. I feel like we pretty we pretty much broke down this deck. I mean, do you think you'd play it on on Thursday? Like, if you were going to sign up for the Legacy event, uh, I might. I don't know, just for fun. Like, it's it's a fun. I, I I have fun with these kind of decks, so I might play it. Yeah. If I was super tryhard, I would probably just play Delver, especially on the online meta, because people e- even in those stuff, people play like less serious decks. I would say. Okay. One one warning I will give is I am actually not sure if this deck is at well positioned going forward. Oh. Because um, if you look at all the Jeskai control decks, people are moving away from stuff like Blood Moon and playing things like Ruination just because of Beseju. So like Beseju giveth and it taketh. Like <laughs> it's super good in this deck, yeah. but then like because it's good in this deck, people are playing cards that are much, much more difficult to beat. Less. Okay. Well, I mean, that's those are all real reasons. I mean, I, I totally get it. Daniel, do you have anything else to say before we wrap up? No. Well, I'm surprised to see the Return of Ruination. I haven't seen that card in a while. From the Ashes. I think From the Ashes is the one people play but it's the same thing uh did you want to look at i don't know did you read over the uh i think there were some twitter questions online oh let me double check (laughs) i mean honestly bob bob set up like a bunch of stuff and i just like i told him i would just like literally audible the entire fucking episode because i have that i could do that like Mm -hmm. i don't need like a script or whatever okay let's see any changes you'd make to the deck moving forward that's kind of an interesting one i think the the biggest change i was thinking about making is possibly like cutting crop rotations or change like maybe changing the structure of the deck to include both both the thespian stage combo as well as uro Mm -hmm. they're kind of at odds with one another as you just only have so many slots especially when you start counting enough blue mana for uro but i think i think that's something to consider because uro is really powerful against a lot of decks and crop rotation is pretty bad in this deck despite it being kind of needed for the dark depths combo uh you said second tabernacle was not super important Nah, you could you could probably cut it it's one of the best cards versus delver but especially if you tried the white version with like stp you'd probably need it even less it's just okay. really good against a lot of stuff even if it does kind of interfere with field it was kind of it's kind of a holdover from the pre-crop rotation version where i was on all mulches yeah. so you just had to have more of the card Ooh, okay here's a good one how do you beat this deck how do you beat this deck yeah. uh you just play hate cards for it i mean i lost to a delver player at the open because they had uh two price of progress i lost ah, to what? oliver Tomiko playing jeskai control because he was not playing the stock jeskai control deck he had no wheels in his deck he had monastery mentor court of grace uh surgical extraction snapcaster so he just had like basically hate cards where they didn't have hate cards and win conditions that can kind of go over the top and different direction that that this deck is built to deal with okay you could also just play ruination this deck doesn't usually kill you fast enough from the ashes or ruination is really bad you could play just things or things that go over the top like a combo deck okay i mean it's the same way you would always beat lance it's the the same stuff cool all right that's a good place to wrap it up for today twitter.com slash daryl underscore ayers d-a-r-y-l underscore a-y-e-r-s there you have no excuse not to follow they're all on twitter right now that's gonna be it for us today all right if you have any questions if you have any topics you'd like to hear about twitter.com slash elo punters that's our twitter that's where we type things and do stuff and i mean like whatever just ask us we'll, we'll post when we do the next episode but daryl thank you so much for hanging out here thank you for um explaining this deck in like absurd detail like and i and I, I don't mean like literal molecules were touched upon when it came to like designing this deck and talking about matchups and things like that. so i really do appreciate that and i hope everybody here also enjoyed that kind of content we'll wrap it up see you guys later